You can support this podcast on Patreon. Our Patreon supporters receive a wide range of benefits, including written content and access to our exclusive databases, including our 2020 FBS team profiles, which are updated daily based on injury news, position battles, playing time, and other info. Available in Tier 2 and up. Visit patreon.com slash Edge to learn more. Hello and welcome back to CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I am joined, as always, by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish. Follow him on the Twitter at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, for everyone looking for him. Nick, uh, I know you uh, are not in the greatest of moods today. Um, I, I, I told you before we started, when I saw that Micah Parsons opted out, I, you were the first person I thought of. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> Nick is going to be very, uh, very not happy coming into the show today. Uh, and I did the I, I showed up on the sheet uh, earlier this afternoon and the first note was everything is bad. <laughs> so uh, I kind of I, I see you're, you're uh, at least pouring your heartache into the work here. <laughs> so um you know, and we we talked about college football yesterday, and we kind of I I I titled the show "Navigating the Weirdness" for CFF. Mm-hmm. For we talked about trying to make a uh, a schedule. Maybe everyone has to do DFS this year. Uh, maybe we have to change it to something completely different and weird. I don't know, but it's uh, it's getting dicey right now. But we are getting some schedules kind of straightened out, so it feels. And you mentioned this before we started. Some camps are opening and we're getting news, so that feels nice. <laughs> some camps are completely shut down because they're COVID outbreaks. Uh, and, you know, some teams are completely out here. So uh, we we were going to do the uh, the uh, uh, AAC today and the independents, but we're going to push that back to next week. We're going to talk about the news happening right now and because it's important. And, Nick, I'll just kind of – uh, let you, you've made adjustments. So you've already done some schedule adjustments and you're a madman working on this stuff. Even when you're <laughs> mad, maybe it's making you work faster when you're mad. I know usually I do. Uh, but, uh, what, what, what is this show going to be about today and what have you been working on? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, we'll, we'll push back and, and our last group of teams to discuss is the American conference. And then, uh, the G five independence, which unfortunately we have one fewer, uh, of those to discuss moving forward, basically, I guess we'll get UConn out of the way, who earlier today said that they were uh, going to cancel their season, which was, uh, you know, certainly unfortunate to hear because it's not a great sign for college football as a whole. I know a lot of people were kind of like, you know, who cares about UConn? I mean, they were oh, 129th. I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, they were, they were 129th in my, uh, in our, you know, team strength ratings and uh, a team that was definitely in a, a bad spot moving uh, from a conference to independent. Uh, life and, and having to sort of cobble together a schedule at the last minute and then had a lot of teams cancel when, you know, uh, Power Five teams were moving to non-conference-only uh, schedules. And so they're also, you know, in the statements they released today, there was 
uh, a desire uh, on the, the player's part to, to say that, hey, maybe this just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, and it's certainly understandable. And, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you said I'm, I'm mad and it's, it's, I'm not mad. <laughs> More sad. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it is a little, it is a little sad it's, and it's, uh, you know, it's just, things aren't looking great right it's now. It's frustrating. I've, I've yeah. tried to, I've tried to stay positive, but it's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster and I've kind of had, a little bit of a sinking feeling all along and and you know you you mentioned it sort of the the uh the dichotomy where you know some teams are on the practice field i mean i'm starting to look at practice notes from uh east carolina nevada you know teams like that who are supposed to open in week zero and and for you know a few minutes things seem relatively normal like i'm going in making injury updates uh from practice in our team profiles and things like that so you know that that feels somewhat normal that feels productive and then you know you look up and and uh yukon is canceled at season and then you're like oh man you know what what next but uh we did get the Big Ten uh, announced its updated schedule. So, like this time last week, I was working while we were recording. And <laughs> apologies if there were any, you know, uh, loud typing noises or clicks or whatever <laughs> that they, they came through. But trying to update the ACC schedule, but did that basically the the first few hours of uh, this morning when the Big Ten made their announcement. So, all of that is updated in our uh, FBS team profiles available to our patrons. So all the big 10 teams, we uh, have, you know, up to date, who's favored by how much, who's got a talent edge, how many wins do we uh, expect uh, on average, who knows what this get, you know, if it's going to actually look like this uh, in a few weeks when they're supposed to kick off the season, but you know, for, for little bits and, and uh, uh, small portions of today, especially, and, and, you know, the last couple of weeks at times, it's felt relatively normal, but uh, then I, you know, kind of step back, take a, a longer look, and I don't, I don't feel great at the moment, yeah. but try to stay positive, we'll try to, you know, address all the news, and, and maybe this, you know, the next hour or so uh, will feel relatively normal. Who knows? Honestly, this has been the COVID cycle for anyone, yeah. uh, you know, not just people that love sports or college football or, you know, whatever it is, it's kind of been the, all right, most things are normal. You know, you can go about your life and live it, but then you, when you, you know, take a deeper look and you see how much things have changed, you start to kind of go, Oh, this sucks. You know? And I think, I think that's what's happening to you with college football right now. And it, it happened to me, uh, I think really two weeks ago, was my kind of, you know, I, I try not to, I try not to show it or anything mm. or show my, you know, less amount of enthusiasm, but I, I was really, and I've said it a couple times, like on sports grid, uh, I said the one, the one sport that I'm just not sure that's going to go is college football. And that's not because, you know, I don't want it to go. Obviously I want it to go, but it's just the logistics are tough. They're tough to work out. The one I'm actually taking a little bit of a positive, I know there's been outbreaks and I know that, you know, there's been opt outs and stuff like that, but these things are always stuff I thought was going to happen, yeah. you know, whether it was now or in the spring or whatever. I thought 
we're going to get opt-outs uh, either way. So a uh, couple of the big names are hurting right now. Uh, you know, you don't want to see the, too much of that stuff. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm actually a little encouraged by the schedule uh, being changed and being pushed back so that things can be implemented. You know what I mean? Uh, because we're all learning on the fly here. Everyone is learning on the fly. And some of these schools doing it too. Uh, Xavier, I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, the recent going-ons in, in college football here and uh, how what, what's your overall uh, you know panic level, I guess, at, as far as the season goes. If I were to rank it out of 10, it's probably about a five or six. Uh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not ready to jump off the ship yet, um, but I am looking over at the water. You're <laughs> <laughs> zipping that life jacket up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the lifeboats like there's a couple left. Um, but, you know, I think that the, Have the women and children already gone. <laughs> Can I get oh, on this course. lifeboat <laughs> here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but with the schedules, I agree, Scott. I think that that's actually a positive for me. I think being able to contain this in the best way possible by keeping it to a regional kind of setting is the best way to go about this. Um, and I thought that, that I thought that that was always going to be the case and that was going to be a good move for me as a Georgia state student. Now that kind of hurts a little bit because we were supposed to play Alabama this year in Alabama. So that doesn't look like it's happening anymore. Uh, I've talked to some of the people who are in and around the, the program that are a little bummed out by that. One, uh, obviously, um, you know, and I was as a videographer who follows the football team was very much bummed out about that, uh, about that. Possibility. And you beat Tennessee one time and you start to get cocky. It was Brian <laughs> Winnie Stadium. <laughs> got, a winning, got a winning streak against SEC opponents. That's, that's very true. <laughs> and we're going to stay undefeated as well. Uh, <laughs> but um, going forward, just just making just making sure I don't take every news as the end all be all. Uh, people are going to opt out, rightfully so. Um, but as, at the end of the day, as long as the, you know, yes, Michael Parsons opted out. Uh, but I think as long as we keep a, a large amount of the big names in college football, it's still going to be college football regardless. Um, and as long as we don't have another replacement scenario where we have a bunch of freshmen and sophomores playing around the country because all the juniors and seniors opt out for the draft, I think we're still going to have a, a fairly good season. Lastly, I'll say this. I, I still don't necessarily like the only conference because I think that that helps some teams and hurts uh, and hurts teams that play in better conferences. I think for the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12, you've got to be thinking to yourself, our conference was hell already. Now let's, let's chalk on another two, three games. Um, and if you're thinking about the ACC or the Pac-12, you're like, all right, we'll take this, <laughs> take this one to the bank. So, you know, I, I, in that regard, I don't like it as much. But whatever we've got to do to get college football to an extent – I'm all I'm all for. I don't know. I think you, you you're forgetting about the strength of schedule though, uh, because when when you lock that stuff in at the end of the year, is any Pac-12 win going to be big enough to push an undefeated team into uh, the the tournament? So that there's there's and see that's where the fun comes back. <laughs> it is uh, you know where uh, there's so much to talk about, so much of this logistical stuff with the schedule being very strange that uh, we're going to get positivity back. The one thing that, that has been upsetting me is seeing some of these teams move their games up to August 29th from September 4th. I'm like, what the hell are you thinking? It looks like everyone is basically going to conference only starting 
uh, I think that Saturday, the 26th, maybe a couple games starting that Thursday, the 24th or whatever in September. Uh, but that would be week four from what the normal schedule is right now. I just feel like we need to get a little uniformity in that. Mm-hmm. If we're not going to keep to the normal schedule, mm-hmm. let's get that schedule all. And this is also partly me selfishly wanting this so we can have a real college fantasy football season where all the guys play. Uh, <laughs> but I also think it makes sense to put the games together. So everyone's kind of kept in that same conversation and, and all that stuff throughout the year. So, um, but we got a lot to get to here. So uh, Nick, should we just dive right in on it? Yeah, I suppose. And, and uh, one last note on, on, what you were just mentioning that what we saw from the big 10 today was, was sort of interesting because uh, you're right. The, you know, the lack of uniformity is a bit frustrating, but what they did, they, they uh, scheduled that basically the old week one, the, the normal week one was when their start date was, but they built in two off weeks for each team and kind of staggered them in such a way where if large chunks of those first couple of games had to be pushed back, they gave themselves a little bit more leeway to, to schedule later on. So right. I understand the, the SEC being one that pushed it back to that September 26th on the one hand, that makes sense. Give teams and, and schools more time to sort of figure things out. But then on the other hand, the Big Ten, it kind of also makes sense. Uh, hey, let's schedule them. If things are looking good, great. If we need to move back, at least we've got a little extra time. I don't know. It's weird. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll and, get and, it. And it works either way, to be honest. Like, as long as I don't care, as long as we get games, I, mm. it doesn't make any difference to me whether they're all different weekends. You know, uh, you. The SEC can play their whole schedule in, in two weeks, and I'd be fine as long as there's games on television to watch. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna be happy with it. I mean, right now I almost feel overloaded, right? Because we got baseballs on, uh, basketball. You have the surge to the playoffs. Hockey is in the middle of the playoffs. We've got camps opening up for the NFL. We've got college camps, like you said, some are opening, some are completely shutting down. So it's a little up in the air and crazy right now, but there's so much going on. And just two months ago, we had literally nothing. It was like maybe a NASCAR race was on, you know, and uh, then Korean baseball at 3 a.m. That was it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got my two TVs on right now, as you can see. <laughs> Uh, and it's just going to be, it's going to be two TVs, you know, uh, unless I decide to buy a third for, uh, uh, you know, from this point moving forward, which I've thought about, uh, you know, uh, Might as well. it, it, <laughs> you know, it's just, then I got to get another box and you know, it's, it's a whole thing. one. Well, two, two on that note, two pieces of positivity that hopefully I'll get myself in a little bit better mind, uh, you know, headspace here as we, as we dive into the notes. <laughs> but, uh, on that note, I ordered, Two new TVs last weekend. Ah. Be, uh, this weekend, have some some uh, rearranging to do in the office. So I'll be up to four TVs in the office, which is exciting. Very nice. Very so nice. if they're, you know, depending on what college football <laughs> looks like, it'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be set up and, and feeling good about that. And and who knows, I might even uh, be tempted to watch some games on Sunday as well. What? But, what? Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, I might be, I might be forced to, I don't know, but, uh, two, I, I will say, I, you know, uh, 
all of this, at least I guess it, it does keep me busy and, and CFB Winning Edge is sort of built to react to these sort of things. So yeah. even though it kind of sucks to say, oh, man, now I have to go and move all these Big Ten games around, you know, hey, your college football preview magazine, is, as much as we love them, was printed however long oh. ago, you know, they it's can't ruined. go in and update yeah. like like we can. So uh, all these players who are opting out, I absolutely respect their decision. Hate to see it as a, a college football fan, but uh, especially, you know, some guys in particular, it's a, a, a smart decision, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, those guys, you could just cross them off your All-America team or whatever in the in the magazine, but uh, we can actually go through and, and crutch the numbers and say, okay, this is how many spots they drop in our uh, position ratings and, and things like that. So uh, at, at least, you know, if you are a diehard college football fan and, and want to stay up to date on all that sort of stuff, we are built to be able to uh, make those updates and, and do, you know, make daily changes based on all sorts of news and notes and information that we get. So uh, that is, I guess, on on the bright side, those two things, TVs are on the way. And then also, you know, from a from a perspective of what I do every day, at least, you know, can sort of maybe uh, react, if not quicker, potentially better than some other folks out there. And on Saturdays and Sundays, I've got two Kindles and my computer going too. So that's uh, that, that that's how it works for uh, football season for sure. But let's just dive headfirst in, and, and you know, we already mentioned it already, but. UConn has packed it in. They they uh, are, are not going to play games this year. Um, you know, these independent teams might be tough to get a schedule done or just find, you know, a rhythm of what they'd want to do because every different conference is going to have uh, their own protocols that these teams are going to have to follow and all that stuff. But, um, you know, like you mentioned, Nick, uh, UConn, 129 out of 130. Uh, but they're packing it in. What do you think about the potential kind of cascade for other independents not named Notre Dame having this happen to them? Well, I, th- I think losing UConn is a pretty big blow to UMass. I mean, they were scheduled to play in week one. Uh, their natural rivals, long time, you know, they, they go back to their decades ago, the old Yankee conference. So that's a, a close opponent, somebody that uh, it would have made, made sense to, we've seen some teams play twice in a year recently, New Mexico state and Liberty a couple of times, which is a terrible travel situation, but for yeah. UMass and UConn, it kind of made sense. I mean, they could play each other four times, who knows? Uh, but if UConn's not going to play, that is an opportunity lost for UMass for sure. And then, you know, teams like San Jose State was still on the schedule, Middle Tennessee, Army. Uh, so there, there were some G5 opponents that we know a lot of the G5 teams, the way they're changing the schedules now are to keep basically the the eight conference schedule, you know, eight conference games as scheduled and add as many non-conference as possible with other G5 opponents. So losing UConn is an option. Uh, certainly hurts some of those teams, dropping them from the schedule altogether and, and then losing them as a potential, you know, last minute scheduling option. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a bummer for, for players for sure. We'll see how 
you know, what happens as far as if some players choose to transfer. I know that there's a, a senior running back at UConn, Kevin Mensah, who's had a really nice career. Uh, would love to see him have an opportunity to, to play this season if he could. Uh, you know, and if not, come back in 2021, that would be great. Cameron Ross had a, a really nice uh, freshman season as a, a wide receiver at UConn. There's some, you know, reason for optimism at the quarterback position. Zach uh, Jackson uh, Zergotis, uh probably screwed that up. I apologize. Started nine games last year. And, and so, you know, UConn lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal, but they've returned a, a lot of uh, starters from last season. And, and they were going to be relatively young this year. I'm counting five or six senior starters, uh, according to our depth chart. So, you know, there, there might be some opportunities for players to leave as grad transfers or because of the cancellation might be given a, a free waiver or, or an easy waiver opportunity. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, bit, a bit disappointing, but I think the, the biggest impact, you know, if we're going to see another domino fall as a result, I could see – maybe UMass being the next one just because UConn is such a close uh, potential opponent and kind of a, uh, you know, a a, a natural team that uh, they would have played maybe more than once. Easy rivalry. Things like that. Uh, Xavier, I'm almost afraid to ask you about uh, UConn folding up shop for this year here. Um, You know, let's be, let's be as respectful as we possibly can because, (laughs) This is, uh, you know, <laughs> some people's favorite team opting out. Obviously, uh, this isn't like the basketball program uh, going away for a year, but it sucks. It sucks to see uh, these kids not be able to play. Like Nick said, hopefully we'll get some of these, uh, you know, upper end guys uh, transferring out and playing somewhere. But uh, anytime a program shuts down and the last time i remember was when uab shut down mm, uh, yeah. you know some some teams have moved down to a lower level but uh you know in yukon yukon should come back from this but right. i don't know that it's a guarantee exactly. at this point because they are independent and their team hasn't been very good for uh, a while so yukon uh, shutting down is is fairly big news yeah, and, and I was in Alabama. Uh, I was actually going to school in Alabama when UAB shut down, and I had a lot of friends who were either going to UAB and playing or who ended up transferring to the school I was at, which was at the NAI at the time, just to, you know, get a year. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, it sucks for the players. This, is, this isn't fair. This isn't fun. But, Nick, uh, Scott, you hit it right on the head. Uh, from a player personnel perspective, two things may happen. One, what – will UConn field as a team next year? Because if I'm a player right now at UConn, I'm not positive in the fact that the university will all of a sudden come back next year full throttle. Uh, two, using, losing a year of eligibility in any regard as a junior or senior is just not possible. So do we see a complete mass exodus from UConn leaving them with, you know, 40 scholarship kids uh, going into next season? And, if I'm and the second thing is NCAA, this is a time for you to be smart. Every kid that transferred from UConn needs to get a waiver immediately, immediately. to be allowed to play because this is has nothing to do with them. This isn't them leaving to go, you know, to, for greener pastures or better competition. This is there's their, their team is folding for the season. I don't care about next year. They have the right to leave. Period. And I would expect they they will. I think UAB 
and this is maybe slightly different. I don't know if it's just semantics or what, but uh, I, I would expect that anybody who left would, would have that opportunity. I, I would be very surprised if the NCAA blocked anybody or, or didn't allow immediate eligibility. Now, right. uh, Nick, the, the Big Ten, uh, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, announced their new schedule and I have been recording stuff. You know this because I am an hour late getting here today. I've been recording stuff nonstop all day today. So I haven't been able to comb through the schedule yet. But uh, were there any big surprises? And where did that Michigan and Ohio State game fall? Because I know they're talking about potentially having it early in the season. Yeah, so they, they scheduled Michigan and Ohio State for October 24th, which I believe is the first time since World War II that they have not played at the end of the regular season. So that's that's the most notable uh, game. I know when the Pac-12 changed their schedule, uh, USC and UCLA was moved to the beginning of the season. There were Arizona, Arizona State, I believe, as well. So they, they took sort of different angles at, at uh, scheduling those most important rivalry uh, contests where, you know, in the Pac-12, they thought, okay, let's schedule it as early as possible. So if we have to push things back, we can try to, you know, get that in later. And right. the Big Ten did leave open the the week after Thanksgiving, uh, that November 28th uh, Saturday for every team. So that's a built-in day. They could push back the Big Ten championship if, if need be. And then I mentioned earlier the uh, two you know, off weeks, idle weeks throughout the season for, for both team or for, for all teams. So uh, I think they, the big 10 tried to, or they sort of landed on a, a halfway uh, plan to what the, the PAC 12 did. They, they wanted to maybe not push it up too far, but also did want to give them a little bit of an, an out. Uh, so put it, put it mid season. It's going to be kind of weird. Michigan plays Indiana and Wisconsin on other weeks. That's kind of an odd <laughs> uh, situation to, to be in uh, for, you know, a team like Michigan. But uh, that, that was certainly the most notable. There weren't really any major that I caught uh, games added. Wisconsin uh, didn't pick up Ohio State or uh, – Penn State, which I think some people were maybe hoping for to get another really high-profile uh, crossover matchup. The Big Ten did keep its division set up. They just uh, sort of, you know, add, you know, added one uh, additional crossover opponent. But there really wasn't a, a mega, you know, big-time matchup that got added that, that I noticed. So nothing incredibly noteworthy just the sort of the movement on a, a couple of notable games, but uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see for sure uh, if it, if it works out and, and, you know, if the big 10 made a smart decision and sort of how it staggered things to, to give them a little more flexibility. Uh, hopefully they don't need it, but if they do, you know, seems like maybe a smart, smart move to, to plan on uh, some contingencies. Xavier, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, just the, the fact that we still have the Big Ten is going to attempt to start week one. And, you know, like I said, it's probably more selfish for me for wanting to play fantasy to have everybody move back to week four. But um, it, this seems like a decent strategy because they can move back, I guess. Yeah. You know, if, if you started up week four and, and nothing is working, 
you don't have a lot of wiggle room. Right. So um, I, I guess it's okay in that sense, but I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of a lot. All, the, all of Rutgers is quarantined right now. So uh, it's just weird to start in, you know, what two and a half, three weeks yep. at this point uh, when you have a full team in quarantine. It just seems weird to me. You ready to see a lot of hamstring injuries? Because here they come. <laughs> that, that, is, that is the first thing I'm worried about are the muscle injuries, the tweaks, the high ankle sprains. I mean, we've seen it in the NBA, and they gave them multiple weeks to get started. And we've seen, I think, four or five guys come out with major knee injuries. That worries me. Uh, when you've got such a contact-heavy sport, you're starting in two and a half weeks. If you asked me to get ready for two and a half weeks of flag football right now, I'd probably still pull something. That it just doesn't seem like a, a viable option. I, I don't think, think it would matter how much ramp up time Nick and I had. So we're <laughs> we're in that age group. Something's getting pulled. Something <laughs> matter. <laughs> We'd keep you guys at quarterback. Um, <laughs> we, we wouldn't we, want that. <laughs> we wouldn't want that. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I, I think the flexibility is a good thing. I think having the opportunity to move themselves back, which I think they should do, um, is the is the ultimate is the positive here. Like I said, I, I worry about the players a lot here in the fact that, man, I, I'm sorry. Just the, you could have been working out all week, but getting game ready. Those are two different types of working out. One's to build muscle into, you know, sculpt up and shape up. The other one is to get ready to knock somebody on their butt. And that's a completely different kind of energy and time and preparation that you need to be able to do that. Um, so that, that's my biggest worry, but the ability to move back is a positive, and I think they will they will ultimately use it. I don't think we'll see them playing week one. And we had, and this is the thing that I, I got frustrated seeing was Texas State and SMU moved their game up to uh, you know week zero, which I think would be August 29th. Uh, so as we're recording this, 24 days away. Uh, so kind kind of cutting it very, very close. That That was weird, I thought, Nick. That they moved it up to week zero. And we saw the Big 12, you know, Oklahoma moved a game up there a couple weeks ago, too. So it's just been kind of strange that, you know, like, like you said, half the teams are getting into camp. Half the teams are canceling camp because of COVID and schedules are being moved up and back and staying the same. So it's very weird right now. You don't know, it, you know. Up is down, down <laughs> is up. <laughs> black is white, white is black. It's crazy right now. Yeah, it's 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 strange. And and on the one hand, hey, this is great news. You know, we uh, prior to this, we had Marshall and East Carolina was the only uh, week zero matchup of of two FBS teams. There were a few other uh, teams that were playing FCS opponents, as, as you mentioned. Oklahoma had a game that was added. Kansas had a game that was added. That game apparently now is in jeopardy, but. Uh, you know, on on the one hand, like, hey, this is great. You know, get a, a up close opportunity to watch and really pay attention to Texas State and, and SMU, two teams that unfortunately, you know, sometimes get uh, pushed aside a little bit in in my own you know research and and uh, you know get sort of lower on the the pecking order as to. Uh, when I'll get to watch them, unless they're on a you know a Tuesday night or a Wednesday for the Sun Belt or Thursday Friday for for the American, uh, I might not catch this game. 
during a normal time. But if it is in week zero, it's going to be on one of those TVs, you know, big front and, <laughs> front and center. And, and I'll be excited about it. I'll be reading a lot about Texas State and SMU in the next couple of weeks because it'll, it'll give me something to uh, look forward to. So on the one hand, it's it's good news for sure. But on the other hand, you're you're right. It seems just really strange that you know some teams are are not going to play their first game for almost an entire month after this game is supposed to be played so right yeah yeah just just very very strange now the opt-outs are coming in look we're going to get a flood uh, of these uh it's gonna it's gonna happen sooner rather than later too so i'd expect you know that might be the whole beginning of next week's show is us talking about opt-outs uh really (laughs) And, we got to get to the American one of these days. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get there. What and you know what? We'll get there after all the players have opted out too. So we'll be okay, or at least most of them. Uh, you know, the NFL is put trying to put a date on their uh, COVID. Uh, Ridiculous. Day. Well, you, before they sign the, but it's before they sign the bargaining agreement now. Okay, but you know the the deadline that they have, which as we're recording this, is tomorrow at four Eastern. Uh, but. That is to opt out and get paid. So uh, that that that's to opt out and get paid. And I don't know if you guys knew this. This is the really crappy thing. Uh, if you have if you have a pre existing condition that's worse with COVID, you get three hundred fifty thousand dollars to opt out, and you go about your merry way. If you don't have a pre existing condition, you opt out. The NFL will give you one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then you have to repay it. So, so if you opt loans? out, Hello? yeah, yeah, they're giving loans based off of <laughs> uh, old contracts. That did not make Xavier very happy. Uh, he just <laughs> took his headphones off because he doesn't want to say anything inappropriate. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we're we're getting to the college opt outs, which you know because go. these guys don't have contracts can happen at any point, and we will get some in the middle of the season too. If a team has an outbreak, uh, you know uh, you'll see guys go. All right, that's it. I don't want to get this. I don't want to drag my family into it. I'm done. So go ahead, Nick. Uh, what, what You brought up a point that I uh, have have thought about and have heard a little bit of chatter about, but but failed to write it down here or, or bring it up before. But, you know, think of a team. Let's say, for example, UConn did play, right? So this, as, as a pure hypothetical here. And they played, you know, two, two games – they uh, lost a close game against UMass, and, and then the next two weeks they get beat by a combined 110 to nothing or something. Yeah, yeah. I got you. What, what reason, you know, why are they going to play the rest of the season? You know, some, some players might just decide, sure. you know what, it's not worth it. Like, yeah, it may have know, nothing to do with COVID. Three. Sure, yeah. yeah. And so, so that's I, – I forget where I heard it. I, I've, I've – listen to you know random shows off and on and, and things like that and uh but but somebody put this idea in my mind they're like oh yeah that's that's worth thinking about is well, that even, even worth- though you know some some teams might you know want to love the game or oh i want to get you know sure. on film all that whatever but there are certainly some guys who are going to say you know what and, and- three games in who cares? I'm and done. you may almost predict that with some teams that we don't expect to be playing very well to have, you know, maybe some guys kind of walk away from it and go, you know what, I'll just transfer next year or I'll just do X, Y, or Z. And, um, 
or I'm not going to play football professionally anyway, so I'm not going to put myself through this, you know, whatever it may be. But I think uh, for us, I think the bigger situation would be like, you know, let's say that 16 players get it at Florida, right? And they're quarantined and everyone else does their test and they're all good. But then Kyle Trask goes, you know what? I got high risk family members. I don't want to play anymore this year. And he bails. And, you know, now you're stuck with, I mean, they have other good players at Florida. I, saying, I like but, Emory Jones. A little bit yeah. Better. Yeah. I like Emory <laughs> Jones a lot too, but he, he's not the starter. You know what I mean? I'm just giving yeah. him as an example. It could be Sam Ellinger at Texas, you know, uh, mm-hmm. where you take a huge drop uh, after you have your, your starting quarterback. I think those are going to be more impactful for us because not only mm-hmm. does that affect, you know, the, the, the line on every team because we're going to talk about some how some of these opt-outs have affected team strength rate ratings and unit ratings and things like that for, from CFB winning edge here, Nick. But um, you know, how about preseason over under win totals? You know, yeah, this may be this may be the year that if you're gonna play something like that, just take the under. Don't don't take an over for any team. Take the under for most teams. You know what I mean? But I think Vegas is going to catch on to that and make those numbers harder to come by too. So um, so it's just it's going to be interesting to bet uh, to, to do those things. So um, it, And that's just a thought that I just thought of. I didn't think about that uh, before the, uh, you know, we wound up talking about it just now at all. But um, of the notable opt-outs, the biggest one is, of course, Micah Parsons who I think might have been, was he the first uh, defensive player drafted in our All-American team draft? Was Micah Parsons number one? He, I think he was. I think, you, he, I think was. you had the yeah. first pick, right, Nick? Uh, no, because I would have gone with, I somehow ended up with Derek Stingley. But Micah Parsons, I've, I've, right. one of my favorites to watch. Uh, and, and I always love here again. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, he, I thought, at the beginning of the year or the beginning, you know, way early in the off season, I was looking ahead and I was thinking, okay, who could have an impact like Chase Young in 2020? And Micah Parsons was the first player that came to mind. I just expected he was going to be all over the field, dominating games. They were going to be able to use him in a variety of ways. And, and I uh, was just really, really excited about seeing him in 2020. Now he's probably going to be, a top 10 overall pick, even if he, you know, uh, if he, if, if this whole thing didn't exist, but things were normal and he decided, you know what, I'm just going to take my junior year off and, and go to the NFL draft probably still would have been a top 10 pick according to what a lot of, you know, expectations are. So incredible player, you know, he's been a, a maximum rated player according to our numbers since early in his sophomore season, uh, one of the best players in college football, regardless of position, one of my favorite players to watch. So absolutely huge loss, really going to miss uh, not, you know, not having him uh, on the field this this year. And it's a big loss for Penn State. I mean, they uh, are still ranked number six in our, our team strength rank. So his him not being on the team didn't necessarily drop them from you know who they would be favored uh, against in, in our our power ratings. But Penn State was ranked in the top ten in the country in our roster strength ratings, and they were ninth defensively. Their linebacker unit was ranked seventh 
in the country. Well, I went through and, and reran the numbers today, and they fell four spots overall in roster strength. Uh, so their roster is now less talented from top to bottom than three other teams now that Michael Parsons is no longer there. I think that's that might not sound like much, but that's relatively significant. They dropped two spots in defensive roster, uh, defensive roster strength, and then the linebacker uh, core dropped from number seven to number 28. Uh, now, so uh, pretty inexperienced without Parsons for sure, uh, but you know it's, it's a big loss, and and it dropped them a point or two uh, in you know our projected point spreads per game. So you don't necessarily see it as much as you would if if you know this was a, a starting quarterback, as we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, still a, a huge loss, not only because he's just a great player, but a, an impactful player, somebody who could really impact the game. But certainly wish him all the best, understand his decision for sure, and, you know, hopefully he'll have a, a great long career in the NFL. Yeah, Xavier, this is a brutal blow for the Nittany Lions and, uh, you know, a, a tough blow for college football fans too because this guy is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. Yeah, if you if you guys can go back to that uh, that sheet, you, you, you'll see what I, did. I, I, saw. I put in the linebacker position. And now it says sadness, Penn State. Uh, <laughs> Michael Parsons is just—he was going to be that dude this year. He was going to be an excellent football player, fun to watch. He was going to make you want to watch Penn State football at twelve in the afternoon when you first wake up and get done eating your breakfast. He was that kind of player uh, that was going to be just one of the best linebackers in the country, one of the better linebackers we've seen over the last four to five seasons. He was going to be that good. He has been that good in college. Um, he's still a top five, top 10 pick in my opinion without it. I think even, I think honestly sitting out might have actually helped his draft stock uh, because now you have to go based off of his last year uh, where his numbers were amazing and, and you don't have to worry about any injuries. You don't have to worry about anything. He's a clean bill of health for all we know at this point. Uh, and I think that's going to really help his draft stock where obviously you're going to have other guys who are going to fall and rise due to the year that they have um, in 2020. Uh, for Penn State, this sucks. Uh, he, he was the best player on the team. Uh, I don't think he's the biggest lost out of the notable opt-outs that we have. I think the, the one – Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I don't I – I think almost that, asked you that question, but, but we'll yeah, save it. I, I think that uh, the guy we'll, we'll talk about just in a second – actually is uh, because I think that Penn state can make up for it offensively. Uh, this is still an offense that I think can, that can put up points and, and will be able to do that in the big 10. Uh, their defense will obviously hurt, but when you lose a great linebacker more so than anything, what you're worried about is busted plays, busted coverages because you're not getting in, into your sets quickly because he's not sitting at the office, or at the defensive line, audibling, making sure everybody's in the right place in yeah. the front seven. That's your biggest concern. It's, it, obviously, from a talent perspective, that hurts as well. But I think the guy we'll talk about in just a second is going to have ramifications much larger because he's on the offensive side of the football. I think Penn State can make up for some of the defensive loss that they'll have on the offensive end. They'll just have to score more points. And that guy who we talked about uh, yesterday on the uh, In This League College Fantasy Football Show, Nick, is Rashad Bateman, the outstanding wide receiver from Minnesota. It has opted out as well, and you know he's expected to be a very high pick in the NFL draft too, so uh, wouldn't expect him to, to try to come back at all or anything. So looks like they just lose Rashad Bateman, and it, that is, you know, like Xavier is comparing it to Michael Parsons, I think Parsons is a little bit of a bigger blow just because like you know team captain uh 
you know, play caller audible guy, all that stuff on defense. But uh, football is an offensive game. And Rashad Bateman was the last giant piece in that receiving core left after Tyler Johnson uh, went to the NFL. So uh, tough blow for the Gophers. Absolutely. And I, I definitely think a case could be made that Bateman's loss is bigger uh, in the grand scheme than Parsons, because even though Penn State, you know, is going to miss him immensely and that linebacker group is now really young, uh, there is some depth there. They've recruited really, really well uh, in recent years. And, and, you know, so so hopefully there'll be uh, somebody who's able to, to step into those uh, shoes and, and play at a, a, you know, really high level still. At Minnesota, the depth is is a bigger concern. And with, with Rashad Bateman, who was uh, over a 99 in our, our player ratings, we have a maximum of 100. He was like a 99.7 or something. So, right, you know, basically a maximum rated player. And, and because of him, almost entirely, Minnesota was a top 30 receiving unit and and you know he's an all-american candidate type player uh absolutely exploded last year even with tyler johnson uh taking some some you know a large share of targets uh, away from him but you remove bateman and chris altman bell steps into that number one spot and demetrius douglas has played some but you know now minnesota returns under 30 percent of their receptions from last year they're they're receiving yardage we've talked in in weeks past that uh that you know receptions and and targets and things like that way heaviest when you look at returning production and and teams that lose a bigger chunk of uh their receivers uh uh, you know have a, a more difficult obstacle than teams that lose you know guys that that recorded a lot of tackles or even sacks, havoc plays, things like that. So I do think this is a big loss, especially since now that he's not there, Minnesota dropped to 84th in our receiver ratings and last in the Big Ten. So they were they were fourth oh. and like 28th, I think, with Bateman on the on the roster uh, because of his almost maximum rating. And then without him, Nobody else is over an eighty, uh, you know, in that in that receiving course. So we're talking about guys that are under, you know, below the FBS average. Their highest rated guy is the the third wide receiver, basically because he's a, a sometimes tight end, sometimes wildcat quarterback, former quarterback. Seth Green is, is yeah. you know the highest rated guy because he came in as as a quarterback. Now they've got some talented freshman and and you know a guy like Daniel Jackson now has an opportunity to to step up and really you know become a, a focal point in the offense quicker than maybe we would have expected otherwise but you know Minnesota hasn't recruited at, at the high level Penn State has and and they found a couple of really great guys like Tyler Johnson and, and Rashad Bateman but I mean this is an, a, an absolutely huge loss and and uh, I was really impressed with a lot of things I saw from Tanner Morgan last year. You and I talked yesterday about how, you know, is Minnesota going to rely more on the running game with Muhammad Ibrahim and a veteran offensive line that we actually do rank as a a top 20 offensive line in the country and third best in the big 10. It's a a real strength for their team as far as our numbers go. Uh, But Minnesota, I mean, they're, they're now on the outside of the top 40 looking in, in our power rankings 
uh, middle of the pack now in, in the Big Ten. And this is a team a lot of folks thought coming off an 11-win season could challenge for the Big Ten West and, and you know, maybe a dark horse Big Ten uh, champion. So huge, huge loss. Uh, everything I said about Parsons before, repeat it for Bateman, certainly wish him the best, certainly understand his decision, but as a college football fan, uh, certainly going to miss watching him on, on Saturdays. And this one is hurting you worse than uh, <clears throat> than Micah Parsons, Javier. I mean, it sucks to see Bateman go, uh, but uh, selfishly, uh, I'm not happy for this, but I'm happy for Mo Ibrahim because I have him in a lot of fantasy leagues that I've already drafted. So uh, <laughs> l- let's go. Let's get that running game going. That could be why I don't see this as big a loss as Micah Parsons. Maybe my view is just skewed uh, towards my wallet. I just realized I drafted him too. <laughs> oh man can you give us a list of who else you drafted by the way xavier so we know who who should we expect to opt out next oh, I mean, God. I, you yeah. took sam ellinger yeah i don't like it <laughs> i don't like it uh, hey, if, I, hey, hey, if i if i'm the curse that keeps on cursing then it's a bad season for you there uh scott uh, but no, I think Rashad Bateman is going to be a, a massive loss. And the, re- and the biggest reason why is now Tanner Morgan has to figure it out with new people. You know, when you're a starting quarterback, you come into the year, you have your guys. You know, and, and we saw what Tanner Morgan was able to do with his guys last year. They were explosive. They were a sneakily good offense going into the season. Then all of a sudden they exploded against teams like Penn State. And we were like, wow, Minnesota offensively can play with anybody in the country, both in the air and on the ground. But more so than anything, in the air was the most surprising thing for us because Tanner Morgan had such a, you know, up and down uh, freshman year. Now he's coming into a year where you think, okay, he's got his footing under him. He's coming back with his with a number one kind of guy in Rashad Bateman. He's going to put up at least close to, if not similar, if not better numbers. And you expect Rashad Bateman being the number one guy to have an immaculate and amazing season. Now it's a little bit different. Now he's got to figure this out on the fly. Now he's got to get his guy. And that's going to take some time to do. It's not going to happen in game one. It's not going to happen in game one through five. It's going to take you a minute to find the guy that you trust on third down and seven when he's at the six to just throw him the football and say, you're going to go get this regardless of hell or high water. So yeah. that kind of chemistry is always tough to, uh, to create on the fly like this. And unlike, you know, when you lose a guy to the draft or graduation, he's learning about this and their season starts in a month, a little, little more than a month. So it, he's got to get chemistry and, you know, cohesion with the receiving core that I think only has one or two upperclassmen as a whole. They have one. They have two juniors, uh, a redshirt freshman, a redshirt freshman, and a freshman. And it just and so you, you're looking at a, a really rough situation from a cohesion standpoint. Mo Ibrahim. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and how about how about this? You know, Xavier, you brought up a great point about how it, it, it the timing, of course, is difficult to to get up to speed. And now that the Big Ten is going to conference only, if this game happens on September fifth. You know, at Michigan State, okay, fine. You know, they, they might not have huge expectations, but they've been a pretty good defensive team in, in years past. Think about the the schedule that they originally had. FAU, okay, talented, but, you know, not a, not a G5 team. Tennessee Tech, okay, first two weeks and kind of figure some things out. Then they play Iowa, pretty tough. 
then BYU, Maryland. All right. Set yourself up. Maybe you're four and one at worst is probably my expectation. Now, Michigan State in week one, then Michigan, Iowa, and Wisconsin. (laughs) So now, now, you know, there, there is no time to, to get up to speed. (laughs) Even Michigan State has got, you know, they've, they've got some talent. The next guy we're going to talk about that, that opted out, that defensive line is, is, you know, inexperienced and a bit of an issue, but they've got some good talented players and, and Mel Tucker, defensive minded head coach. Uh, so that's not going to be an easy week one, but weeks two through four, whoo, that's, that is not the matchup you want with a young receiving core going up against Michigan, Iowa, and Wisconsin. So they have one receiver that's played more than 10 games. Just one that has started more than 10 games, just to kind of give you an idea of how how much the rest of the receiving core is going to have to step up. And if you even have it here, they have a wide receiver slash quarterback who's a senior who might see some minutes in game. This is there's no depth here. There's just no depth. And they're going to be playing with four wide. They, you might, might see them line up in the power eye 40 times a game in that first couple of weeks to, to get the to get it down. So give it to Mo Ibrahim. Yeah, yeah. And uh hearing Scott's- that. Week two, three, and four schedule made me a little less uh, happy about <laughs> Mo Ibrahim, but uh, at least if we are having playoffs on the back end, they won't have to play those. When did they play Ohio State? They play Ohio State? Uh, they do not play Ohio State. You're lucky, yeah. Score. Yeah, okay, at, le- at least you got that one, so that's nice. Uh, the next guy to opt out, like you alluded to here, Nick, is a Michigan State defensive lineman, Jacob. Uh, Panasuic, uh, I probably butchered that, but that's how I'm going to go with it. Uh, he joined the growing list, though he does intend to return next season. But, uh, you know, pretty big blow for the Spartans. Yeah, and, and you know, they, they lost a couple of really high-profile uh, defensive linemen already. Kenny Willickis was drafted in the seventh round. He was a hundred rated player. Uh, Raquan Williams went undrafted, but signed with uh, Philadelphia. He was a 100 rated player. Uh, Mike uh, Penasiak, if, if that's what we're going with, who <laughs> started 41 games <laughs> as an interior defensive lineman. So, you know, th- those three guys together started 121 games uh, in the front for Michigan state. And now you, you add, uh, Jacob, who started 24 games, I mean, they are, you know, talk about inexperience. I mean, that that is uh, really, really, really young from a from a starting span- standpoint. Naquan Jones is the only guy listed on our depth chart who has started a single game uh, for Michigan State on the on the defensive line. So big, big loss for sure uh, for the Spartans. Uh, you know, absolutely at a, at a position that was already uh, a bit of need, and now by my count. You know, Michigan State only returns two starters on defense. So, uh, you know, that that will be a tough test against Minnesota in week one with Tanner Morgan, but don't have to consider to uh, contend with Rashad Bateman uh, anymore. So I guess, you know, that's a, a bit of a positive for Michigan State, but big loss. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks, Xavier. This is a big loss. And correct me if I'm wrong, hasn't Michigan State already gone through an outbreak? Yeah. They shut down. Yeah, uh-huh. they shut down once, I believe. I don't yeah. remember the numbers, but they stopped workouts, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I and that, you know, I'm assuming that is a contributing factor to uh him opting out is, you know, you've already seen it once burn through your 
your uh, teammates and all that stuff, and you just know it's probably going to happen again. It's just you can't bubble college football. That that's the issue here. But uh, tough loss for the for Sparty Xavier. Yeah, this was a kid who you thought might come into his senior year and be poised for a really good year. Uh, he, he's increased his sack numbers every year he's been in school. He's gone from one his freshman year to his sophomore year and five his, his last year with three forced fumbles. This looks like a kid who was poised to make that leap. Um, obviously, I've, I've beat a dead horse with this comment, but when you have guys who have been a part of your program for a while and that you don't have to coach up going into a season, they're a plus right now in this uh in this COVID-type season, with it being shortened, practices not being available as much, having guys that are able to slot right in and you know what they're going to give you, if not more, is a good thing. Uh, but like Nick said, with Mel Tucker being a defensive head, uh, defensive-minded coach, he'll figure a way to to at least, you know, match his production some way, shape, or form, whether that's blitzing more from the inside, whether that's making an adjustment in the way they align themselves, some way, shape, or form, he'll, he'll figure out a way for another kid to be able to push into that spot and, and have an opportunity to play. Uh, but it is going to ask for some guys on that defensive line who maybe didn't think they were going to have to play this year to step up and make plays. Um, and, I, and they have a pretty you know, veteran leadership in the defensive line as a whole. So they should be okay uh, from that standpoint. But when you lose a guy that got you three, four fumbles last year, it's not fun. Yeah. And then South Carolina had uh, Jordan Rhodes, the starting left guard opt out as well. Although they did get some decent news where their highly recruited quarterback, Luke Doty is actually getting work at wide receiver, just in an effort to get him on the field and then uh, more good news that Justin Fields and Jamar Chase have specifically stated that they are going to play. So uh, those are some nice notes outside of Rhodes for South Carolina, Nick. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, interesting about Doty. I know that a lot of uh, South Carolina fans were really excited about him. There was some buzz that maybe he could compete to, you know, maybe unseat uh, my mind just uh, Tyler Helensky or, or uh uh, there at, at the uh, quarterback position for South Carolina. So uh, Ryan Helensky, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so that that was interesting to, that that uh, Will Muschamp, when talking to reporters, mentioned that you know, hey, this this kid is talented enough and and very athletic. Was a really highly rated ninety six uh, rated player by. Did Will Muschamp sports. get excited about talking about a recruit? Apparently. That's very unlike him. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Holinsky, who started 11 games last year, Colin Hill, who's been a starter at, at Colorado State and knows Mike Bobo's offense, who's come over as a, a graduate transfer. So, you know, with everything that's going on, it makes sense that a true freshman was going to have a difficult time winning this job, you know, right away. But South Carolina needed some – uh, you know, needs some playmaking ability. They've got Shai Smith and, and Nick Muse at tight end, who's coming back healthy, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, a lot of unproven guys in that receiving core. So if Doty is is proving to be uh, talented enough, athletic enough, that he can contribute there as a true freshman, pretty good sign that South Carolina wants to get him on the field for sure. But, yeah, you mentioned it with, uh, with the two linemen. Uh, Mark Fox also, uh, in addition to Jordan Rhodes, opted out. Uh, according to Muschamp. So certainly uh, uh, hurts the depth there. South Carolina returned four starters uh, up front, but Dylan Wanham was uh, coming off an injury and, and they were going to rely probably on some some young guys for depth there as well. So a bit of a hit to, to the depth, but as, as we've said before, 
uh, we're going to hear a lot of these, you know, in the coming weeks for sure. Yeah. And uh, Xavier, I think the biggest piece of that news for you was Justin Fields and Jamar Chase are going to play, but have you heard the, uh, have you heard Will Muschamp's line of why he's so good at recruiting? No. He said, well, take a look at my wife. Obviously I'm a good recruiter. So, I mean, uh, come on, that's pretty good. That's the, that's the oldest line in the. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. Focus on winning, must change. I thought recruiting. it was a nice self-deprecating line, you know. I, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, sure, but what what is this recruiting got him? Uh, but I, I, <laughs> I think um, I don't have a comeback. For that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, his recruiting has turned into how many wins? Yeah. All right, you know. Uh, but this is a, this is a big loss. Offensive line. The two biggest places you can't lose people right now are offensive line and defensive line because of the fact that those are the trenches. Those are the guys that are going to help you. Are more than likely going to be the reason why you lose or win ball games. And a kid like Jordan Rhodes, who is a who was a junior going to his senior year, having the opportunity to play, you know, big time minutes after coming off of a pretty decent season for South Carolina last year. Offensive lines are something you can't lose right now. It's and it's not one of those positions that's plug and play. Really, it's it's not. You've got to learn the packages, and you just got to be good enough to play in that position. And you know, um, having that continuity up front is huge for the quarterback position because he has to know that the guys in front of him are going to keep him upright. Uh, and you know, so losing losing an offensive lineman is never a, a good thing, especially right now in the season. Uh, as far as Luke Doty is concerned. Hey, go get your play, man. I, you know what? I, I love the fact that he's not the prima donna quarterback who says I'm only going to play quarterback. Go try out receiver. Um, what's his name? Oh my gosh, I'm losing my train of thought. The one at West Virginia, who went from the, quarterback to receiver. West Virginia, long, oh, lengthy kid. Sills, David yeah, Sills. David Sills. Oh, yeah, Sills. Yeah, yeah. Go, go yeah. make an if you ball out at wide receiver. Go make a name for yourself. And who knows? You might end up getting drafted for either one of them. Just giving yourself an opportunity to play both. Uh, John Franklin III did it too. He played a bunch of places while he was at Florida State and Auburn, allowing him to now make a name for himself at cornerback in the NFL. So give yourself more than one position that people know you for, and it's always a positive in my perspective. Sills did the horn sound, and now he's a practice squad receiver <laughs> for the Panthers. That's because he had no quarterback his senior so. year. <laughs> Will uh, Will Greer, right? Wasn't Will no, Greer uh, his quarterback? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Will Greer for his senior year? Yeah. That's why that's when he scored all, all eight million touchdowns and all that stuff. Oh, that he just had a really bad combine. That that's mm. why he I, I don't, he's the, I, I don't know if he's a quarterback or not. at heart. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's a good player either way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being on the practice squad is not a joke. But uh so some of these guys here, um, you know, FAU, we talked about this yesterday uh nick but we didn't know what was going on with it now there's some more clarity that fau quarterback chris robeson was dismissed from the program earlier this week and top rated linebacker achilles leroy is not on the roster and that is a huge huge blow for fau's offense yeah absolutely i mean we're we're talking about rashad bateman and and micah parsons and we'll, we'll definitely miss those guys but if we're talking about the biggest impact. It's Chris Robeson getting, uh, it sounds like dismissed from, from FIU. And he had uh, an issue that, that landed him at FIU from Oklahoma, I believe uh, was part of the, the, 
uh, you know, how things worked out for him. Uh, but he was a great player. Chris Robeson was, you know, an all-conference performer. Uh, he was a 97-rated player, according to our VGR Plus number, so pretty close to maximum rated. Uh, he was so good that FAU's quarterback room was ranked number nine in the country this time yesterday. Uh, that has now fallen to 119th. So it was by far the best in Conference USA. Now it's one of the bottom 11 in the country, 11th best in, in Conference USA. Uh, FAU as a whole was ranked 55th in the country, which was our highest rated Conference USA team. They are now 70th. Uh, they've fallen behind UAB in, in the uh, team projections. And, and, you know, this is a team that was, uh, you know, a, a the highest rated offensive Team strength uh, rating in Conference USA, now 10th in the league, 107th in the country. Uh, FAU is favored in every game. Uh, now they are underdogs in, in multiple games and, and do not do not have a talent edge. Uh, I believe uh, now in only two of the matchups that are still in their schedule, they have the talent edge. They, they had a talent edge in every game. They were favored in every game, and, and now that's completely flipped. That's how big of a, a loss this is because, of course, quarterback, most important position on the field. But when you have a quarterback that is so much better than basically the, the competition that he's going to face and, and really what's left behind him because our numbers take into account depth uh, and, and we just don't know very much about, uh, you know, Nick Tonti, who's probably going to, to step in and, and be the guy to beat here. Uh, Justin Agner played in a handful of games, and then somebody by the name of Willie Taggart Jr. now might have a, a clearer path to playing time. But all of those guys, I mean, Tonti, Tronti, excuse me, is, is a 75-rated player. So that's a huge loss. I mean, 25 points just off the top. If, if you're thinking of this like a Madden rating, that's a, a huge, huge downgrade. And, and then you can see how that spreads across the roster as a whole and into the uh, point spread projections, and, and it's uh, about as big of a loss as, as you could expect a team to have from one player. And, and Leroy was a very, very good player as well, almost up to 100 uh, rating as far – I mean, 94, excuse me, 94.7. Uh, he had been left off the roster earlier in the spring as well. Apparently it worked in himself back. Uh, but, you know, uh, the two highest rated players by far on the roster not being there – uh, not really good news for, you know, FAU and, and Willie Taggart's first season, uh, certainly from a, a talent standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a brutal blow for FAU, Xavier, to not have Chris Robus in there. I mean, this is a guy that maybe not, he's not a household name, but mm -hmm. he's experienced, he's been there forever. And um, I don't, did we get a reason, Nick? I was going to ask you the same question. Just said, dismissed. <laughs> I, uh, so, and I don't know that dismissed was even an official uh, term. It, it was something that was reported. Okay. Uh, it's possible yeah. that I, I. So we uh, don't have, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. He's gone. Right. Now. Right. So, uh, you know, he, he's gone. So it, it sucks. Just a, a big blow for FAUs up here. Yeah. I mean, this is huge. Uh, it's, this is what every. See, here, this is what every fan worries about when it comes to kids opting out. You know, obviously Clemson fans worried about like a Trevor Lawrence. Stuff. For this to actually happen to your program is like, you know, 
death walking around with a scythe on your practice field. You know, it, it sucks because this is a kid who arguably with a good year could have been one of those G5 kids that made noise in the combine. Uh, but this is his second. This might be, we don't know the reason why, but this might be, this is his second time being, you know, dismissed from a program or leaving a program, you know, being dismissed from Oklahoma. This is not a good look for him at all. And it doesn't help him going forward in the future. I hope whatever it is, it could be rectified uh, through whatever means or outlets that he might need to go through. Um, as far as the quarterback room, Taggart, you have an opportunity to put your center quarterback. <laughs> do you do it? I mean, hey, I, you know, you know, I, you know, it, it's a, if he's the best player, you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, yeah, you know, <laughs> might, but, might look I a mean, Dana Holgerson yanked his kid from a game last year, so so uh, these these coaches care about winning more than <laughs> hurt feelings for their kids. I just feel bad. I feel bad for Taggart because I think a lot of people, myself included, were like, "There's no way he this first year could be bad for him." We all put the juju on Taggart. Now his starting quarterback is gone. And now it's gone from a possibly great year to if they make it a make it to a bowl game, he's done a really good job. So, you know that sucks for him in that regard because I was thinking that FAU was going to run through uh, Conference USA and have an, a real opportunity to make a New Year's Six bowl uh, with Taggart at the helm, which I think would be just what he needs to boost his coaching rating. Uh, but we'll have to see. Now, uh, before we get into some of the the bigger stuff here. Uh, Boston College uh, quarterback Phil Jerkovich, who transferred to uh, from Notre Dame, uh, got his waiver. So he will be starting for Boston College, it looks like, this year. And BC jumped from 97 to 57 in uh, CFP Winning Edge QB rankings because of that. So big, big gain for them, kind of the opposite of what FAU has going on. Uh, this one sucks, though. Notre Dame wide receiver Kevin Austin, who missed all last year with an injury. I can't remember what that injury was off the top of my head. Uh, he was actually suspended. Last was he suspended? Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's the second time I've done that with Kevin Austin. For whatever reason, <laughs> in my brain, I have him as hurt, but he was suspended. So he injured his foot in practice and had surgery for it. So they haven't given us a timetable. They just said they expect him back this fall. And the fall is pretty damn long time. So we don't know <laughs> when and if Kevin Austin is going to be back this season. Uh, this one is really bad for Oklahoma. Linebacker uh, Caleb Kelly has suffered another ACL injury. Ugh. He's going to miss the whole year. Um, he played in four games in 2019 before going uh, you know, on, an, uh, on the injury reserve. He was a projected starter for them this season, so a big, big loss. And then the last one, Shane Simpson, uh, an FCS All-American at Towson, will transfer to Virginia. And he has a little bit of draft buzz and is going to push Wayne Tula Papa at, for the RB1 for the Cavaliers. So uh, lots of news there to go over. Nick Jerkovich getting his waiver, Kevin Austin getting hurt, Kelly blown out his knee, and Simpson going to Virginia. Yeah, some, some uh, in some cases, decent news. I mean, Jerkovich getting a, a waiver was a big, big boost to Boston College. As you mentioned, they jumped up 40 spots in our quarterback rankings. They uh, climbed our ACC power rankings uh, a few spots as well. They're now 12th in the ACC, which of course is not a not necessarily a, a huge boost, but uh, we're able to to pass Syracuse, who uh, you know now they're projected uh, that game is a, a toss up at Syracuse, and, and so you know things are a, a little bit better, a few points here and there 
uh, closer point spreads. And, and we know Boston College has been a, a tricky team for teams in the past to play. So when you, you bring in a high-profile quarterback, Notre Dame transfer, a uh, guy that's really talented and, and you know, did some impressive things and some limited opportunities, but just couldn't beat out Ian Book uh, for whatever reason. Uh, pretty exciting move. And, and I think I'm relatively, I think we talked about this last week when we went through the ACC. I'm, I'm relatively uh, optimistic about BC in future years and, and getting Jerkovic, uh get that waiver approved. Uh, you know, I'm not saying they're going to jump up and, and, uh, compete for an ACC championship or anything this year, but I, I think they will be a much more dangerous team, and it'll be fun now that we can see that offense basically at full strength uh, and how they're going to build that around Jerkovic the next couple of years. Kevin Austin certainly, you know, uh, disappointing news. I uh, hope that he will recover quickly. Uh, sounds like he was, you know, going to be the the top wide receiver. Uh, basically unquestioned uh, heading into this year, did some exciting things in winter workouts and they only got one spring practice, but I know some beat writers were impressed enough to, to write a little bit about how good he looked in that one practice. So uh, Notre Dame needs some playmakers at the receiver position and, and to lose a guy that was coming back from uh, a year away last year, did practice all of last year apparently, but, but was not a, allowed to play, but to work himself back into good graces and to the top of the depth chart, uh, certainly a disappointing way to, to start his season. And then absolutely feel really bad for Caleb Kelly. I mean, he, he played four games last year, uh, opted to, you know, could have played, I, I believe in a couple of more, but uh, decided he was going to redshirt, come back, uh, was uh, going to be a big part of, that defense. He was a hundred rated player based on his past production, according to our numbers. So huge, huge loss for Oklahoma for sure. And, and hopefully he recovers well uh, and quickly as well. But uh, Shane Simpson, that's interesting. Virginia, we've seen add a couple of really key pieces offensively to potentially, you know, shore up some holes, added a quarterback from Mississippi State, Keaton Thompson, added a wide receiver from uh, an FCS program, added tight end Tony Poljan, and, and then, you know, to bring in a guy that uh, was so good at the FCS level to, to catch some scouts' attentions and to put up some All-American numbers. He's done some great things as a kick returner as well. So really interesting to see. Uh, Towson, of course, not going to be playing uh, football this year, opened up an opportunity for him to, to go on to potentially bigger and better things. And Virginia seems like a really good landing spot. They were uh, rated pretty low in our running back ratings. Uh, Wayne Tulipapa scored some touchdowns, but hasn't really done a whole lot uh, from a, a production standpoint. And then Ronnie Walker, the transfer from Indiana, we haven't heard about his waiver situation. So Simpson, I think, is going to have an opportunity to, to get a lot of carries uh, for Virginia in, in 2020, assuming that that schedule, which should be released at 9 a.m. tomorrow, we've heard, uh, you know, hopefully that that will have an opportunity and, and Simpson will uh, do some good things in his only year uh, with the Who's there in, in Virginia. And uh, I mean, Xavier, this this Virginia is starting to look like last chance you at this point with all of their uh, transfers in here. Um, but a couple of a couple of blows there and uh, with Kevin Austin going down, Kelly going down and uh, Jerkovic getting his waiver. Finally, we expected it to happen. We just mm -hmm. weren't sure if it was because we're getting right on top of the season starting here and he hadn't had it yet, but he finally got it. So any of your thoughts on those situations? 
Yeah, I, I, I think the Jerkovich move is huge. I, I think we all thought Boston College was going to be a basement dweller in the ACC this year. Uh, and mainly because of the quarterback position, obviously the quarterback transferred earlier in the offseason. And I think that they were just going to have a massive gap there. And now, now they get a guy in who was highly touted going to Notre Dame. A 6'5 dual threat quarterback is never a bad thing to get. Um, you know, at the quarterback position, there's a lot of things you could do with him. And Boston College worked last year with a dual threat quarterback, so they might not even have to change their play calling from that uh, from that standpoint. Standpoint. So I think that that'll be uh, a, a nice seamless fit, at least from a play calling perspective, going in the next season. Uh, for Kevin Austin, that's a weird situation. Um, foot injuries are one of those things that can last a lifetime. That can that's last. Why I don't want Debo you know, this year yeah, in fantasy you know, football. So. Uh, Debo Samuel busted his foot, yeah, and it's you know. a Jones fracture. I don't want to mess with him because you know Marquise Brown had that at mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and then he came back and he wasn't really the same guy. And mm-hmm. he had flashes of being amazing, but I mean the Liz Franck one, I won't draft you anymore. Like, yeah, uh, but Debo and the Jones fracture is not good either. So I don't. They didn't say what type of foot fracture this was for him, but it, it's not a good one when you're a wideout and you need all that speed. So. No, not at all. I mean that's what you push off of. To jump, to get off the ball. I mean, even getting a turf toe as a wide receiver is not fun. And, and so that, that's one of those weird situations to say he'll return in this fall. Sounds like uh, a TV show commercial, you know, when it comes out this fall, but they won't give a date. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, you just watch television one day, you're like, hey. Uh, so you know, it's, it's, it's a weird situation for Caleb Kelly. That sucks. That is just the worst situation that could possibly happen to a kid, especially when you feel like you've made the right decision. You know, you said, hey, I can return this year, but it's probably best I take off a year to get better, to get my strength together, to really trust my body 100%. Because at the end of the day, the body will eventually heal. Maybe not to the same effect. You might not return as the same player, but it'll heal. But it's here. It's between the ears. That can I, that feeling of can I trust my body again? Uh, if he does come back and play at any level, it's, it's can I play the way I used to play? Do I trust my knee that it won't happen again? And, and that kind of mental uh, strain that a player goes to trying to trust a knee that has blown out on you, not once, but twice. I can only imagine what he's going through mentally. Physically, he knows what that's going to be again. The, the recovery, the surgery, all of that is going to be relatively the same. But it's between the years that that is something that he's going to have to get over, and it's not easy to do. Um, and lastly, Shane Simpson, I think this is a big, a great move for him. Any kid in the FCS level right now who's on the cusp, who was on any draft scout's mouth, it could be one draft scout that said you could go in the, they could go in the draft. If you have an opportunity to play in the next level, transfer to a school that you can get great, yeah. good touches at and make some plays. I think that going to Virginia was also a smart move for him. They're going to be looking to replace a bunch of t- uh, production from Bryce Perkins somewhere. Passing game, running game, trick plays somewhere. And so to give you an option, you know, to give them another option at the running back position that is a playmaker that's going to give you opportunities to make, to, to bolster your offense is a great move for him. And it's a very smart move to the team that he decided to go to. He didn't go to a stacked running back room like we say some kids go to sometimes. So I, I really like this move for him and for Virginia as a whole. Now, the, the two big stories that we don't have all the information on right now, or at least I know this Adazio one we don't, but uh, there were some inappropriate things said by Gary Patterson, head coach uh, at TCU. Um, and it seems like I don't know the story very well at all, to be honest with you. Uh, but I saw him tweet that uh, he is talking to 
yeah, he's talked to the, the leaders of the team, the team captains and all that stuff. And they seem to be on the same page moving forward. That could just be him saying that though. So I don't really know. And this other one is really nasty with Steve Adazio, where he's being accused of telling players to not, uh, you know, say when they have COVID symptoms and threatening their scholarships and things like that. If any of that's true, he's just got to get the boot immediately. Yeah. And not work again. I mean, you can't, you know, this is a pandemic. You can't be doing that to people. So, uh, he's got to go if, if that's true, obviously we don't know right now. There's no evidence that it's true. It's just, he said, she said, uh, which, you know, I mean, I don't know why someone would make that up, but, um, it's, it's a bad situation, Colorado state. Um, and, uh, Gary Patterson is, uh, having, having rough times here. So a couple head coaches, uh, just making giant mistakes, Nick. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> what, are, what are we doing guys? I mean, yeah, just a couple of, I mean, we've, we've heard, uh, far too many, you know, instances of, of coaches just doing and, and saying stupid things. And, and, you know, the Gary Patterson one, uh, I just, I don't, I don't even know what, what to say, right. uh, you know, it's up to his, up to his team, sort of how they, they feel about it. If, if, uh, they feel comfortable with, the sort of the situation that that uh, how it is it is played out, but just you can't do dumb stuff and and just completely uncalled for. And well, you uh, can do dumb stuff, but this isn't dumb stuff. This right. is egregious. Yeah. You know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and and just you know, and and I I I uh, I don't know. I mean, I I, I there. <laughs> That's there a good are answer, some, really. It is. I mean, there are some coaches that you know are, are just uh, you know how it's just this, this stuff just doesn't <laughs> come into a normal person's brain. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, my first thought, if I was Steve Adazio, telling people to not report their COVID symptoms, like, there's just no way in hell because what if? what if one of these guys, there was an Olympic swimmer that died from COVID. So people can be in the best shape of their life and still die from this. It affects people different ways. Most, I mean, we haven't heard of any athletes at the professional level dying, but you know, there are guys. Well, that, Eduardo uh, Rodriguez, uh, right? Yeah. He developed like, a heart condition Yeah, and, and that psycho still wanted to play this year. The Red Sox had to shut him down. Right. So he was like, no, no, I still want to go. They're like, you're not pitching. Come on. You know, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get your heart condition under control and you can come back and pitch next year. You know what I mean? So, uh, th there's, um, you just don't know how this is going to affect people. So if someone is saying that they have COVID and not reporting it, that's just asinine. That's just the dumbest stuff I've ever heard in my life, especially knowing like you have to know if you do something stupid like this, it is going to come out. You can't keep secrets anymore. There's too much, you know, th there's too much of a trail of everything that people do. That's dumb. There's people videoing everything. There's, uh, you know, emails getting hacked, whatever you, you can't do anything and think that it's going to stay a secret anymore. So it's just really stupid by both these guys. I mean, I can see Gary Patterson's, you know, like I said, I don't know the story. Um, uh, I heard he used an inappropriate word as he was saying what someone else had said. Still a dumb thing to do, but Absolutely. not 
not what Steve Adazio is accused of doing, of telling people to cover up COVID symptoms. So uh, just really idiotic moves by some head coaches, it seems like here, Xavier. Yeah, the Gary Patterson situation, I'm looking up. I was reading it right now as we're talking. Apparently, he was talking to um, Dylan Jordan, a redshirt freshman at practice, and said that you've been saying the saying N-word in the right. meeting and uh, then decided to apologize for it. Just why? Why? You could have said the N-word. Like, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't get the disconnect here of like where your brain was like i'm just gonna go right in and say it he's gonna feel it if i say it no hey you've been saying this in the weight room or in the meeting room we'd like for you to stop please do so you know period in the story and walk away and nothing gets reported it's not a story you know and you know I, i guess kudos to some of his players making sure that people didn't get the wrong idea that he didn't call jordan uh, right, right, right. for them to that. Uh, but what's the need for it in regular conversation? I'm black and I didn't use it right there. I don't. It, it just doesn't. Right. Using. I, I don't get it. Steve Adazio, <laughs> you're gone. If this is true, yes, you're out of there. I, I don't. This is ridiculous. This is stupid. This is idiotic. This is dangerous to be telling kids this. That could be possibly passing it on to their parents, to other players, to other students. Like this is just. You got to go. Go pick yeah. up badminton. Go coach cricket. Like, go find- don't coach anything. If that's your <laughs> attitude towards this, don't coach right. anything. Go bag groceries. Like, there's plenty of jobs where you can do it uh, and you're not going to risk anybody else. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, go, be, go be a part of customer service for Apple. Like, go do Yeah. Do, do anything else but lead men if this yeah. is your attitude for this. So, right. yeah. uh, it's it just absolutely ridiculous. But, Hey, I, know, I just man. saw it just a just a bit before we started recording. There is apparently uh, Colorado State added or hired a an outside law firm to do an investigation. Good. There've been some, you know, uh, some players on the team saying, "Oh no, this isn't this couldn't be further from the truth." But I hope the, it's a lie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. But then the reporting is there's like ten total sources, including players and staff. So, I, you know, I, it's we'll we'll see. We'll we'll find out the details and and all. But yeah, I think you. I mean, Scott, you and I were recording the the CFF show uh, last night, and then this was <laughs> the first thing I saw when we got off and I texted you, it's like, well, Steve Adazio is about to get fired. Probably. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and, uh, and if any of that, if a whiff of that is true, he's going to be fired and there'll yeah. be a Netflix. And un- understandably. So. so, um, we'll understand what happened. And, uh, I don't know. It's just weird, weird times, but, uh, do you want to, you made this nice graphic here, Nick. I really like <laughs> it. You, that was you, just for reference. And, and oh, Ross just Billinger, reference? a sports illustrated, put a very nice, graphic out oh, and you, okay. we were talking about the schedule earlier and and you know he he kind of color-coded everything if you want to see the sec is a 10 game only conference schedule game start september 26th and then they kind of went conference by conference and was updating it based on news because the aac officially today announced that they're going eight conference games for non-conference the Mount, uh, mountain west i don't think is official yet but it sounds like an eight plus two and then uh, one other team just, or maybe the Mountain West actually just did, as we've been recording, uh, make it official that that's what they're going to do. But yeah, there there are some good, you know, easy to 
to sort of make sense of, of everything because there are so many moving parts and dates are all over the place and who knows. So uh, thank you to uh, Ross for, for putting that together. I, I took a shot of it and put it here in case we needed to reference it, but folks out there I'm sure can, can find it. It's pretty good. Uh, easy, easy snapshot at sort of what the schedules look like across college football as we speak, but Everything could change tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Understatement of the century. I mean, yeah, we, who knows? Uh, you know, waking up in 2020, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have adopted this yet, but I wake up and I look at my phone to see what craziness happened. I mean, uh, there's all, you know, you saw the ammunition stuff go off in Beirut the other day. It's been, it has been an absolutely <laughs> insane year so far. <laughs> Do you have to be to let that sit there after being told it was there already? Like uh, I don't. Uh, and, and then the guy—it's unacceptable. It was unacceptable four years ago. No comment. So I don't know. I I'm too dumb to comment on stuff like that. I'll talk about college football. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it has been crazy waking up. So we could wake up like like Nick said and have a bunch of weirdness tomorrow. But that is going to wrap it up for this week. Next week. We're promising here, unless everything gets shut eh, down. No promises. Yeah, we're we're, we're making a <laughs> solemn guarantee we all, that we, we don't make promises anymore over the AAC and uh, some independence next week. Uh, you know, unless the whole world burns down, which is in <laughs> the realm of possibility at this point. But uh, that is going to wrap it up for us. Like I said, please follow us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for me, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. And before we go, Nick, tell everybody what they can get on the CFB Winning Edge Patreon, please. Absolutely. Uh, Patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. We've referenced player ratings and position rankings and, and all of that. All uh, is available to our Tier 2 patrons and our FBS team profiles. Working on finalizing team and player stat projections this week. Uh, we will have for sure team stat projections uh, by August 10th. I've got a little bit of tweaks to do and, and fell a little bit behind schedule because of all the schedule updates, but player projections will follow as soon as possible. I would expect by August 15th as well. Somebody actually just uh, uh, sent me a, a question on Twitter asking about them. So uh, we will get those as, as soon as we possibly can for uh, DFS players, CFF, all, all that good stuff, player props, team props, uh, or just, you know, for college football fans that, that want to see uh, some pretty detailed and historically based projections, we're, we're excited about those. So uh, check us out at patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge uh, for all of that and all your schedule updates and, and things like that as well. 